Welcome back to Gideon, who was gone for a while. We don't know where he went. What he was doing. I have no doing. idea. I have we no didn't idea miss him. I, nope. We didn't miss him at all. But we are glad he's back. Um, so we're here to talk about Hurricane Harvey this week. Made landfall on Friday, and it hung around on uh, in the Houston, Texas area Saturday, Sunday. The entire city, fourth largest city in the U.S., just devastated with rains mm-hmm. and flooding, and it's uh, it's pretty messy down there. Yeah, it seems very scary, and it also seems like a. It doesn't really look like like a like a storm that we usually live through. It looks like one of those, it, like where you see like literal rapids on the highway and yeah, things like that. It, it looks it, like it seems apocalyptic. It looks like yeah. the land just was like, I'm going to be water now. Yeah, like it just. Uh, it's like somebody built a city accidentally at the bottom of the lake, and the lake was like, Whoa, dude, I am here now, and yeah. it just is on top of the city. Um, one of the weirdest things, though, I was and we were just kind of talking about this before we started recording, um, is that when you're living in a city that's kind of having something like a weather event happen to it, there are people who are just like totally devastated by the event, have to evacuate, lose everything. There are people that lose some things and have their lives interrupted. And then there are people that just kind of have to sit and wait and see if something is going to happen. Yeah, that's that was interesting to me too, is that some people are just waiting for, like they're just, they're waiting for the bad thing to happen to them. And sometimes it just does not take place. And sometimes it really takes place. And um, in well, this... the dread is in itself something that's extremely yeah. tough to just live through. I mean, and it's it's absolutely no comparison to actually having the dread bear out. But it's really hard to just sit there and be like, "What's going to happen to me? My family, everybody I know, everything I like." Yeah. Uh, and it's it's an extremely harrowing experience. It's been f- interesting to see people that I know, like Matt Pierce from the LA Times, yes, is there, a lot right of now. Are there now. Yeah, it's it's really strange to see the news and then seeing the pictures on like Instagram and social media and see them tweeting and it's like okay well they're fine it's this weird multi-platform way to experience this tragedy that I'm thousands of miles away from when you watch it when you watch it on TV or just like in videos you just see this infinite stream of water it doesn't even look like there's land there anymore Mm -hmm. yeah so so it it, like I don't even know how you get to the to the places where people are stranded I have no idea how it happens but the reporters are all they're they're there yeah and And they're and they're trying they're doing their best and it's a huge amount of land to cover I can't imagine how difficult it would be to a keep yourself safe B, try to help where you can, and C, find where you're useful or going to be able to find interesting information. Yeah. It just seems very daunting. You know, I think that, you know, the interview that we did does a pretty good job of uh, showing the humanity of this thing. So whenever some bullshit thing comes through that says that this is not going to, that this isn't what it says it is, like, it, it is 80% people, like, just trying to get through the week with not a lot of food in their house. The thing that's really crazy to me about what's happened in Houston is that the city is fully not fine. It's going yeah. to be very different. It's going to be a really long recovery process. And I think that's what I was what I what I found interesting with this as well is that I think Katrina was a little bit different cuz New Orleans, I think people who lived there always knew it was possible, right? Yeah. They were reliant they, people knew like levee infrastructure even before all that happened, right? So they they knew it was happening there. Um and it's also below sea it level. A, it's like a right. city that's bel- actually right. below sea level. It was it, yeah, it's a tough place for a city. Um, and they, they rebuilt it regardless. But Houston, it doesn't, you know, he, he was saying, like, you know, we knew what to do in hurricanes, but we didn't know, we never anticipated this. Like, this is just a it's devastation that, that was heretofore unknown. So I, I think it's, the whole thing's really fascinating. And um, 
know. I think about what a brat I am about any minor inconvenience in oh, my life. Oh, me too. Yeah. I am the such trains. A baby. Oh, my God. I know. The I'm such a baby about everything. Like, yeah. my air conditioner, my central air was dripping for, like, three weeks this summer, and it yeah. ruined my life. And it's like, oh, my God, you stupid bitch. Like, listening to what people are actually having Going to go through. through. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's, it's just it's just a week of being completely uncomfortable and not at home and dirty. And it, what they're going through has to be just Yeah, and then awful. months of recovery yeah. at the very least. Do not fear. We will get one in New York very soon. I, my, I, wasn't, af- I wasn't afraid. Hopefully I'll be in L.A. by then. Yeah. You'll, and then the and earthquake. Then you'll, you'll be swallowed whole into the, the earth. The yeah. earthquake, the nuke strike combined. <laughs> the nuke strike triggering the earthquake. No, what's going to happen? This is move to Omaha. It's the only place to be. Yeah, you might as well. Yeah. Okay. Great. Sold. Perfect. With that, we're going to get uh, Stephen Paulson on the line, who is in Houston. He's been writing for the Houston Press about what is going on there, and he's going to walk us through his firsthand experience with this hurricane. It's very difficult for people who are not in the area of Harvey to have sort of an understanding of uh, the scale of this and, you know, what it actually looks like from there. So what have you seen in the last couple of days and what particularly stands out to you as like indicative of um, the devastation that this has sort of brought to the, the city and the area around it? Well, you know, just speaking uh, personally, one of the things that, that really spoke to me was the fact that I've been stranded up until uh, pretty much sometime yesterday. Um, my street was uh, a raging river sort of on and off for most of this weekend. Um, and so I think, you know, obviously there have been really harrowing images of, um, you know, high water rescues, um, helicopter rescues, that kind of thing. Um, but also just, you know, I think what's really struck me is just how isolated the city has felt. You know what I mean? I've been uh, staying in touch with friends, but everyone's just kind of been on their own island until recently. And so I think that in, in sort of a weird way has been the most dramatic thing for me. Because um, in, in past hurricanes, there have been, uh, you know, there will often be some areas that are really badly hit, but then there'll be, you know, other places that didn't uh, seem to do more or less okay. And what was really striking about this was that there wasn't really any place that seemed to make it out okay. Pretty much everyone I talked to either had flooding in their house or, uh, you know, the water came basically up to their door. That's crazy. So yeah. are, did your house flood or are, were you in a... I got really lucky. Um, so my house made it around. I actually wasn't up for this. We were kind of... We almost did a full like 24-hour flood watch <laughs> on a, a late Saturday, early Sunday when it really got bad. Um, and so when I went to bed at about 4, the the water levels had been scary up to that point, but they, they receded quite a bit by then. Um, but then it continued to pour through the night. Um, and my housemate said around... 5 or 6 a.m. on Sunday was the absolute worst he saw it. Um, and pretty much from that point forward, uh, we uh, were, were pretty confident that we weren't going to flood. I mean, the, the street would clear out and then it would flood again and it would clear out and it would flood again. But we didn't really, uh, we never got quite the high water that we did on Sunday. Has power been interrupted for for some citizens and not others? Like, what's the situation with, like, phone lines, power lines, TV? How are you able to communicate? Yeah, so actually, believe it or not, I did not lose uh, power or internet the whole time. Like I said, I was really lucky. Um, that being said, so uh, yesterday, Centerpoint, which was uh, one of the main power utilities down here, um, they were reporting that it was still around 100,000 people without power. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm not sure that anyone knows exactly how many people uh, were without um, throughout the storm. Um, part of what makes that equation a little tricky is that um, at the same time that Centerpoint was restoring power some places, they also had to turn off a couple of substations due to the, uh, the reservoirs overflowing. Um, and so it, it's sort of been a, a, a sort of a multi-part disaster for that reason, because even once the rain sort of subsided and they were able to restore power in some places, they were having to turn power off um, in these places where they're worried about levees breaking and the substations getting inundated anyways. 911 was jammed up. For yes, 911 right? was completely jammed. And in fact, it, w- it, was, uh, it was kind of disheartening because there were... Um, People reporting, you know, that they had called 911 again and again over the course of hours and weren't able to get through. And I think there had been a, a little bit of miscommunication from the city uh, in the sense that some officials had kind of implied that people should keep calling 911 when, in fact, they wanted people to, to stay on hold. Um, so it was, a, it was a subtle distinction, but there were a lot of people who um, definitely were were complaining on Twitter and stuff about not being able to reach um, emergency services. You know, that being said, we did also have a, a pretty strong response just from private citizens, from from boat owners. We had the that group called the Cajun Navy that came in from Louisiana. Um, and so, you know, I overall, I think um, both in terms of the, the city and in terms of just private citizens, the, uh, the recovery and the rescue efforts were really phenomenal. You know, my I really have a lot of gratitude for for everyone who was out there. And there was something there, I think there was a, a considerable debate like the first day of this, maybe Sunday going into Monday about like whether mm-hmm. or not it was a smart idea to have evacuations or yeah. um to have everybody stay in place, which is what um inevitably ended up happening from the Houston mayor. Yeah, um, and you could see a lot of this on like on say like Fox News where they wanted where the, like they were sort of like leaking that you know, um, like trying to like get out this talking point that it, the city should have been evacuated that you know, um, mm-hmm. oh, totally. they saw this coming <laughs> and all this stuff. But that's not necessarily the right frame on this, as far as yeah. I can tell. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, yeah. like from from your perspective, um, wondering you know like if that would have been a plausible scenario because like from everything that we've seen and people that we've talked to it sort of seems like that would have led to even more wide-scale disruptions and yes. potential deaths for people yes. just trying to get out <laughs> absolutely 100 percent. i mean i think uh you know i was here for uh have you all heard about the the situation with hurricane rita yes yeah a little yeah, bit, yeah. could you tell us a little yeah. bit about it though yeah so the the gist is that um that hurricane rita um was a bad storm that looked to be heading uh, right for Houston. It wasn't necessarily, you know, a completely, uh, like it wasn't like a thousand year storm or anything like that. But the uh, the thing that really scared people was Katrina had just hit New Orleans. Um, and so as a result, they did end up evacuating Houston just because, you know, those images of destruction in Louisiana were still very fresh in people's minds. And it was a complete disaster. It was terrible. Uh, more people died uh, trying to escape from the hurricane then died actually in Houston. Um, the storm ended up barely even hitting the city. Um, and, uh, I mean, I remember my family, we evacuated to, uh, a town that was less than two hours away. And that day, I mean, we were on the roads all day. We left at 6am and we must've gotten there around like nine or 10 PM. Um, you know, and so I think anyone who, who lived through that and, and sort of imagines that traffic, 
you know, being there Saturday or Sunday when the flash floods hit, it it's just so clear that that is not the right answer. You know what I mean? Um, so I, I strongly agree with the city's decision not to evacuate. I think, you know, it's it's easy in hindsight to say, oh, maybe we could have saved some people. But I think a lot more people would have died uh, if they had done that. What is your day to day been if, as you've been waiting the storm out and, and how mobile are you and how able are you to get around? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm I'm mobile today. Uh, the city is definitely still a little bit paralyzed driving around today. Um, you know, there's still roads that are closed and stuff. Um, that being said, I mean, I basically w- was not mobile um, from uh, around sometime, maybe around 8 p.m. Saturday until uh, really today was the first time I felt comfortable leaving my house. Um, what do you think about um, Houston in terms of the layout that sort of like makes for this type of scenario to be uniquely bad for the city? Like it, it kind of it's, it sort yeah. of seems like very sprawly and uh designed such that this is a perfect scenario for people being like completely stranded and and having these situations last like days and maybe even weeks after the the rain actually stops. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think the Houston is very low density. um, And I think that uh, is definitely it it made the response more difficult. Um, I I guess like like just the idea of. the way that the city is designed, right? Right. It sort of makes right. it so it's incredibly difficult to um, get from one place to another without like traversing a long distance. Uh, and yes, <laughs> and, and obviously, right. And then obviously, you know, um, that complicates these scenarios for times when um, you would even have the opportunity to go like check on people and um, get around and sort of assess the situation. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. Um, and I mean, not not only in terms of, you know, people, emergency vehicles trying to drive around and stuff, um, but also in terms of, of people who were, you know, forced to be on foot. Um, because as soon as you're trying to, to get around Houston on foot, I mean, it is just an absolutely gargantuan city. You know, it's big when you're in your car. But as soon as you're, you know, leaving your house on foot and trying to get to a shelter or trying to get to a friend's house, I mean, you know, I a mile or two from a place is, is considered very close <laughs> by Houston standards. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, so Steven, did you, did you grow up in Houston? Yes, I did. All right, good. Cause this next question now makes sense. Thank God. <laughs> you just saved my life. Um, good. so when you were growing, so like I grew up in Massachusetts, we grew up in like, there were drills for hurricanes. There were people telling you what to do for hurricanes and blizzards. Those are the two things that we had. And mm-hmm. I think people in California had the same thing for like earthquakes. Um, did you guys have this, did you guys have some sort of like, uh, like educational training or some sort of like semblance of idea that the city could flood beyond repair in one weekend growing um, up? Or, or is this something <laughs> that was just like a, like, is this a new idea for you guys? Yeah. Well, so, I mean, I think, I don't know so much about like drills in school or anything like that. I can't remember hurricane drills in school. Um, it definitely, you know, it was certainly something that, that people were always aware of. Um, I've known from a very young age, sort of the things that I'm supposed to do in a hurricane and the things I'm not supposed to do. Um, you know, like make sure I have cash and don't go into floodwaters cause there could be, you know, balls of mosquito or of uh, fire ants rather. Hold on. The, the fire ant thing is insane. Like yes. why, why is that like, uh, that was something that somebody told you that, that was like, 
all right, like, don't jump into this water because you're going to get, like, eaten alive, like, by these yeah. ants. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a, it's a relatively, um, I believe, common sort of feature of fire ants that when they're inundated with water, they sort of form this this ball around the queen. Um, and so it's, what's really terrifying about it is um, a lot of times as soon as they hit any sort of a, a solid object, they'll just kind of explode onto that. Um, that sounds so that really bad. Real... I got I to gotta say, that sounds... That sounds really, really bad. I don't want to dwell. Yes. I don't want to dwell on this too long. But like, do you do you know anybody that's had that experience or like gotten close to those things? I saw a video of the, of it literally forming an island, like the size that looked like the size of like a, a playground gym set or something. But like, have you ever oh, been close to one of those? Um, I mean, I've definitely definitely had some bad run-ins with fire ants over the course of my childhood but definitely nothing quite like that um and and hopefully it stays that way that sounds nightmarish um i wanted to ask you and i don't i don't want to get too like sensationalist but was there a moment during this weekend when you were you were in your house watching footage or you were out trying to get around or experience that you had that really struck you and you were like holy shit this is this is real and this is this is really bad i would say there's probably kind of three sort of big points where it hit me uh, how bad it was. Um, the first was seeing an actual current in my in my street. So having my street not just flood, but, you know, have it, you know, very quickly carrying Jeez. things away. Um, and then, uh, you know, I, there was a moment where I was I was very relieved um, on, on Sunday morning to realize I hadn't flooded. But then uh, sort of the second and third moment where seeing all that news footage and then also to to start reaching out to friends and realize that so many of them uh, were in these really bad situations. I think that's sort of when it really hit me uh, that there, this was... There, oh, I'm sorry. Were there any friends in particular that have gotten <clears throat> it the worst? Oh, my goodness. So actually, my, uh, my housemate uh, got just the absolute worst luck. So he... Um, so, so one thing you got to keep in mind is that... Uh, so the, the hurricane didn't even really hit Houston until late Saturday, um, but because uh, it was forecast to hit Corpus Christi on Friday, and it did, of course, um, people were really holed up in their houses starting on, you know, sometime late Friday afternoon. And so he ended up uh, sometime Saturday deciding that he was going to go to his family's, and we said, you know, okay, but you might not be able to get back. Um, and that is more or less exactly what happened. His uh, parents' house flooded. Um, he got stuck there. He ended up uh, getting evacuated on a dump truck. Um, ended up in a Walmart parking lot because the nearby shelters were full and they didn't want to go to the downtown one. Um, I guess I'm not sure exactly where all the places, uh, where exactly they ended up in between, but I think they were at a, a Bank of America lobby for a while and eventually uh, finally found a. Uh, a mutual friend's house and they stayed there for i think two or three days and he finally was able to to make it back to to our house yesterday and you got to keep in mind i mean the house that we live in now and his family's house they're probably only like eight miles apart but it was just it was you know just a really daunting journey um because even if you knew that streets in your neighborhood were clear um it it just wasn't you, you you had no way of knowing if the whole route was clear. And actually, that, that sort of makes me think a little bit of that the highway question you'll ask. Um, and I think that in particular was, was one of the things that was scariest because, you know, to really, if you're going to get anywhere, um, especially during a hurricane, the, the freeways are pretty much 
the safest bet you can take because they're they're elevated. Um, but you know, so people would get on these freeways. They would they would get out of their neighborhood and they would get on these freeways. But then they would find that basically all of the exits were flooded. Um, and so I think even even past when the city started to be sort of more more manageable in terms of getting around, that was definitely a concern for a lot of people. Um, and uh, what happened to his family's home? It was flooded and they had to get evacuated. Have they been yeah. able to return? Yeah, they have returned. I mean, they've got a lot of cleanup to do now, unfortunately. Um, one more quick question before we wrap it up. Sure. Um, so, you know, as, as the waters kind of recede, what are you seeing as the next steps and how long can you imagine that this will take? Like, what have you been hearing What do you, and what do you actually think? I think we've got a long ways ahead. I mean, it does break my heart a little bit. But, you know, that being said, I mean, I've seen the city get really devastated in past hurricanes. Never anything quite like this. But so, you know, I, I know that we've done it in the past. I know we can do it again. Um, it's going to be a long road to recovery, though. That is for sure. You know, keep uh, keep staying safe and, um, you know, make sure that uh, everybody that you know is safe and um We'll, we hope to hear from you again soon yeah, you know, keep once, us you're, posted. once you're through all this stuff. Definitely. Uh, well, Stephen, thank you so much again. We really appreciate you taking the time with us. And um, like I said, stay safe and um, keep on reporting out there. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Sure thing. All right, cool. Thanks, man. Thanks. Bye. writers for the Daily Beast, Alex Hannaford, is down there covering the hurricane for us, and he's going to give us a first-person account of what it's been like on the ground. I just came from the convention center where it's um, more than at capacity. There's thousands of people. There was some estimates that it's up to 9,000 people who have sought shelter there in the last few days, and it was full of people wearing um, Red Cross-issued plastic uh, jackets and carrying their dogs that were sort of shivering. Um, one thing I noted that a lot of people had their pets with them, which is due to a law that came into effect after Hurricane Katrina. There was such a public outcry about people not being rescued and allowed to bring their pets with them that the law was changed, forcing rescue workers not to uh, abandon uh, animals if the owners wanted to bring them. So that was kind of interesting to see how many. Uh, dogs are with their owners at the convention centre. What's your name? Uh, Billy. Billy. Billy Breedlove. So you're a high school coach normally? Yeah, I'm a high school coach. What do you, what do you coach? Uh, swimming. Swimming, okay. Yeah. Nice. Swimming, so. In Cypress, Texas? Yeah. Uh, for the Texas Terrapins, and uh, I got a couple calls from my kids. They're like, Coach, uh, you're out this way. I know you're helping out. I said, Yeah, why? What's up? They're like, uh, we're going on the water. There's water coming up in our house, and can you come get us? I said, uh, yeah, I'll come get you. That was in Cyprus? That was in Cyprus. So how far is Cyprus from here? From here, it's a good, if you hit Beltway, a good 45-minute drive. So you got flooded out as far away as that? That's yes. like flipping out. Yeah. It's off of Fry. So how did you help them? You have a boat? Uh, the boat. Yep. boat and a little bit of uh, good technology, a little ping system. Yep. Ping them, I'll find them. You know, and uh, we got them out, got, you know, them and their parents out. Wow. Their animals and everything else. Amazing. So. And then you came down to. Yeah, to come help. See, that's the best thing about Texans. 
we'll always help anyone. Doesn't matter who you are, where uh -huh. you're from, what what you do is. We always got you. Help you out. We always got you. So who are your your pals? You came down with some friends. I came with uh, my buddy Phil and Chris. Uh, I've known Phil for God knows how long, and Chris for a couple of years now. So we uh, if if it needs somebody needs help, we always here to help out, and that's what we do. And and uh, we're very we don't do it for anything else. We don't do it for oh man, well, let's get on Instagram or Facebook or nothing like that. We do it because. This is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to help your neighbor out. You're supposed to help your fellow man out. How long have you been out here today? Mm, what time is it? <laughs> uh, Ten to uh, nine. We've been doing this since. Well, we came in at five o'clock this morning. We took a nap, and then we went back out again around. I want to say about eight or nine again. Mm. Didn't rest that long. We came back, gas up the boat, ate, rest some more. And, did one more and then we hit right here. And how is it coordinated? You go to like a landing area where a staging area where the So we have an app. I've heard about this. And this I'll show you it's Zello. Zolo. I've heard about that. So every everything's got like we are in the Cypress area. Uh, everyone has a different area on Houston and they'll tell you, oh if you're going to this channel, hey uh, go to this channel, talk to this person. And they've actually been really well. These uh people on the on the the walkie-talkies, they've been like, listen, you need to go here, X, Y, Z, let us know. And it's been really helpful, and a lot. we saved a lot of people, and it's... it's That's amazing. So they, they literally, somebody will... Who will... So will it be the person that needs rescuing that will use the app, or yeah. will they tell somebody okay, else? Okay, so here's the thing. They'll, they'll, someone is out there like, hey, I need help. Hmm. So they'll put it on this app, they'll hit on the, the radio on the app, and person that's doing all the commanding they will tell you hey we need volunteers out here hey we need someone to get someone hey we need this and that that's pretty much how everything's been going so that's awesome that's the one you know technology using technology to yes. do something in a place that's so devastated by flooding yes and hopefully this will uh, recede in a couple of days we'll go back Clean up. No, clean up. Yeah. So and you'll go back to teaching school. Oh yeah. <laughs> Believe breed love. Yep. Thank you so much. Thanks, sir. Appreciate yeah. it. perspective on the hurricane and the devastation it's wreaked on Houston, we go to Sinjin B. Smith, who is a public safety reporter for the Houston Chronicle. He has some harrowing stories about being on the ground during the hurricane. Where were you as uh, Harvey was approaching and when did you sort of first realize that this was going to be a really big deal? Well, let me just like give you a little bit of background, okay? I got to the Houston Chronicle three and a half years ago. Um, and in that time, there was uh, the Memorial Day floods in 2015 and the um, tax day floods in 2016. And I'm from Massachusetts, right, um, where the major sort of yeah, precipitation event is usually a blizzard or a nor'easter, you know, or major snowfall. And during those events here, you know, you, uh, there was just flooding unlike anything I'd ever seen. 
And, you know, it was immediately evident as soon as uh, Harvey sort of made landfall and it was clear that it was going to be coming towards Houston that we were, you know, going to be well and truly screwed. And um, the next day, the first day after the first bit of severe rains, um, the streets were of three feet deep with water. Um, and, uh, you know, my car was totally flooded out. So, um, and it just kept going, you know, from that point onward, were you able to be mobile and yeah. So the first, the first day I was sort of the day after my car was flooded out, I was just kind of like trapped in my neighborhood, which as a reporter, you know, who needs to be mobile and talking to people was possibly one of the most infuriating moments of my life. Um, but the day, the day, day after that, um, I basically put a call out to one of my friends and I said, can you, can you help me get to where I need to go? Um, and I ended up driving with a guy in a Toyota Land Cruiser. <laughs> and so he shows up to my house in this, just basically like a boat on wheels. I mean, it was this huge thing. He's sitting in the right-hand side driving, um, you know, and we're probably like four feet off the ground. Um, and so we drove out to Northeast Houston where there were, or Northeast Harris County, really, um, <clears throat> where there was just dozens of people in boats pulling people out of the water of this neighborhood uh, at a place uh, basically at Tidwell and the Beltway. And it had just been totally flooded and, you know, like the, the road was, the road was just like a river, uh, frankly. When you were out there, what were some of the conversations or things that you saw immediately that sort of immediately, um, shocked you or, 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 you know, showed signs of humanity or, um, anything that you sort of came away from the experience with right away that you said, like, this is, this is something like I've never seen before. Well, so, you know, first of all, um, you know, in these, in these previous flood events that Houston has seen, those are, I think those are both, if I recall correctly, those are both one in 500 year floods. So those were already massive flood events where, you know, thousands of people were displaced or their homes were destroyed or flooded and, um, you know, just took a real beating to the city. This was like a fact, tenfold factor, you know, um, you know, the just highways, highways under, uh, a dozen feet of water or more, you know, um, the, the, the bayou system in Houston is sort of designed to overflow in these big events. But then you would see that it was, the water was, you know, uh, it seemed like it was 10 or 20 feet higher than it had ever been before. You know, the, the conversations you had with people like coming out of these neighborhoods, it was just sort of like numbing, right? They'd all lost everything. They'd all had to wade through like three feet of water. I talked to one guy who had to like push his, he had a, a three-year-old and a six-year-old, three-year-old and six-year-old boys. And he had used this um, Latino day laborer and he had had to walk, he said, you know, through the water for four hours because he lived in a colonia, 
sort of a little farther out, which had also been flooded, you know. And so then all of these people are huddled under under a little uh, uh, overpass, right? And there's flooding on pretty much every side. And you have all of these public safety guys rushing out there, getting as many people as they possibly can, um, you know, performing absolutely heroically, by the way. Um, you know, and all of these people have nothing. They have nowhere to go, many of them, um, and just sort of trying to figure out what the hell happens next. Do you think that, that because of, like, the, the sprawl of the city, because of the nature of the layout, that it's more inclined to be in a position where these weather events are sort of a lot more devastating than they would be elsewhere? So a couple of things. First of all, right, Houston is 600 square 60 square miles is basically flat, you know, it's basically a swamp and it rains a lot. Um, you know, it's pretty much apparent to, uh, pretty much anyone that, you know, when there's a lot of rain, it will flood. But of course, you know, the, the other thing going on here, right, is, you know, Houston's development. I mean, Houston is a city of incredible opportunity and industry, but, um, that development has been fairly, uh, widespread and unchecked. If you look at the level of impermeable surface that has, you know, uh, been laid down over the decades, you'll just see that all this area where maybe water could drain into the ground, you know, it's just concrete now. So what does water do when it hits concrete? It runs, you know. Um, so maybe if the city had a just really top-notch drainage system with huge sewers under those parameters, you would be okay. But the city doesn't have that. Um, and then you have uh, the lack of zoning. So maybe if you had sort of higher density, you know, you could have more, um, uh, you know, prairie or forest or vegetation that would soak up that water. Um, the last thing is there are places that obviously flood in Houston. Um, you know, every time there's a big storm, I know exactly where to go. You go to Meyerland, which is in the south. You go to Greens Point, which is in the north. You go to um, sort of over by the bayous, and you'll just know you'll be able to take incredible photos of homes underwater. Um, and the city has not stopped people from building in these floodplains, or they've allowed developers to build in these floodplains, which obviously is going to put people at risk if you have disastrous, catastrophic flooding. Um so, yeah, I think there are certainly some serious steps that, you know, could have happened or perhaps will ha hopefully will happen in the future um, to try and not have disasters like this be quite so egregious in the future. There are people who flooded out last year, who flooded out the year before, and they still haven't completely rebuilt. Right. So, you know, if you're we, we had people who you know, we talked to who had literally just moved back into their homes in, in Meyerland, for example, just a few days before or a few weeks before, you know, and now all that work is gone, you know, and they have to, you know, start back right back over. So hope, hopefully things won't go back to the way they were, you know, because if there's another big storm, you know, then we're going to have another three dozen plus people dead and, you know, uh, that would be a tragedy upon a tragedy. And is there a sense that um, we haven't really seen 
the full extent of this damage quite yet. Um, this is still going to be a lot worse in terms of its scale than we've ever imagined at the moment. Yeah, I think that's basically a take-it-to-the-bank guarantee. Police and fire and public safety people are pulling bodies out of houses still. Um, that's sure to continue, right? I mean, you have to remember that these guys were going in just getting every single person out. So in a lot of cases, you know, um, if there were bodies in there, uh, you know, they may not even have been able to extract them at that point because, you know, it was such a frenzy to just try and save people. To the northwest and to the west, um, the city's reservoirs, the Attics Barker reservoirs, um, <clears throat> they've been having to uh, uh, release water from those, which uh, ju just to just to protect those those dams, you know, the structural integrity of those dams. And so you're getting just a tremendous additional input of water into the neighborhoods around those dams, um, which is, you know, again, destroying more property, destroying more cars and displacing more people. So. You know, that's a slightly long-winded answer to your question, but like I said, you know, basically I take it to the bank guarantee. That makes sense. Um, and then I wanted to talk specifically about one storyline that <clears throat> emerged for yesterday and I think the day before about um, Sergeant Steve Perez. Um, mm -hmm. And I know that that was something that you had written extensively about. You know, I, I broke that story, but after it broke, I was dispatched down south. So a lot of the follow-up reporting was not actually mine. But what I can say is that uh, basically a law enforcement source of mine told me what had happened. I confirmed it with two other people. Um, you know, this is, this is sort of, I mean, there are so many tragic messed up stories in this well, not stories, messed up things that have happened in this, uh, in this storm, in this disaster. Right. But, um, you know, I think this one just really was even more of a gut blow because of how hard the police department, the sheriff's office and the other public safety agencies have been working just literally saving thousands and thousands and thousands of lives, you know? So there was just sort of, uh, you know, when I told my editor and some people around me heard, there was just a kind of collective gasp and an, Oh no, kind of moment in the newsroom. Um, you know, because it was awful. Um, you know, he had been trying to get to work early in the morning um, I think it was still before dawn, sort of around 4 a.m. And he'd gone a bunch of different ways trying to get downtown. And then he that couldn't couldn't make that happen. And he was trying to get to his uh, sort of the, his regular station um, or the one closest to him, which would have been Kingwood. And um, he drove into high water, got stuck, um, couldn't, you know, couldn't get out. Um, uh, well, he, I mean, he got stuck and then he drowned, um, you know, and, uh, you know, it's like I said, I mean, everybody, everybody has been watching, um, these guys do just absolutely heroic work 
and you know it's sort of the it just it's it's just especially tragic you know like someone going to try and go help other people and then dying the police chief uh, Art Osvedo um, was very emotional about it um, um, you know in situations like this he sort of wears his you know heart on his sleeve um, and uh, yeah that's what you know, that's that's what happened I wish I, w- I, w- I wish I had a, a sort of more eloquent <laughs> you know way to express all that but um there it is no that mean that that makes sense yeah um yeah and i think that too um just as a sort of way to wrap it up that kind of fits in with this idea that you know so many people have talked about where um the city at large just people who live there local officials law enforcement have sort of been so good it seems in these days after to just pull together and figure out what they can do on a day-to-day basis. And um, that is something that I think is um, admirable to watch in, in a lot of senses and, and a, a um, good reminder sort of that, you know, in these scenarios, there are good people who are actively trying to do the best they can um, when a tragedy like this strikes a place. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um you know, it is really hard to find a positive in this disaster. But if there is one, I think it's probably that one, you know, of how how people have come together and worked really hard to support each other and fight for each other and, you know, um, protect lives. Um, I, you know, that 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 for me has been very kind of inspiring well thank you again for for taking the time i I sincerely appreciate it and um thank you for all your hard work down there too um and you know stay safe and keep it up i guess all right take care all right have a good one bye-bye bye It's it's clearly just as bad as everyone was thinking, um, and yeah, I mean, I think I think the I, I think the point of all of this is like these are these things are very difficult to assess on an immediate scale and like an immediate level of you know what's the next week going to look like, what's the next two weeks going to look like, what's the next month going to look like. The people are, the people that are affected by this will have to deal with the effects of it for months and years, yeah. and it'll be something that's a constant in their lives for a long time after it's not in the headlines anymore for a long time after it's been when everybody's moved on to thinking about something else. And I think it's really important to, you know, as consumers of the news, as people who give a shit about other people to, you know, keep an eye on what's happening here. And I guess us as like, you know, journalists, reporters, we should do that as well. Yeah. And I also, I mean, the the other thing, I mean, not to be extremely doom and gloom here but like it does it does it does also seem like there is a high likelihood that there are going to be sort of storms that are equivalent to this in scale yeah there was a tweet a couple days ago that was like it's it certainly seems like the climate has changed the that is basically what's happening this is yeah what happened and i don't have any i don't have any like 
you know, specific points of evidence to say like this specifically is is based on that. But it it definitely does seem that there are there are more severe this events with what, more frequency. Like when you see like in Inconvenient Truth, where they're talking, where they show these things about the cities turning into rivers, effectively. Like they showed, they showed exactly what was happening. Happening, and everyone was like, "Oh no, liberal agenda!" Because they didn't want to turn their air conditioner off. And I get it, but this is what we're going to end up with. It's just, it's a lot of this. What climate change does is it makes weather more unpredictable and more severe. So there is a good thing out of these scenarios where, like, people can look at them and assess what went wrong, what went right, when everything is settled at a certain point. Um, but I mean, the other thing too is like, it's just, it sort of seems like. Places, particularly that are close to the coast, have to have a serious look at sort of like what the infrastructure looks like in and around their area and and how this is going to sort of impact them um, in the future. But yeah, yeah. But I for mean, now, it's sustainability, right? But it's like sustainability within within the context of this inevitable and terrible kind of change that's happening right now that we're seeing happen in Houston. It is physically happening, guys. It's we're at that point. Great. All right. Uh, before we leave, we really want to thank our producer, Elizabeth Brockway, who is uh, uh, perfect and uh, is indomitable. And also Alex Brooklyn, who really helps us uh, on a week-to-week basis. I'm Aaron Glory Ryan. I'm Ben Collins. I'm Gideon Resnick. That was true there.